The Lord be with you. I'm at home because my wife, Annalisa, has COVID. Now, fortunately, I'm still testing negative. But what that means is my wife is sealed inside her room while I am out here on full-time baby duty. You may see this video cut several times. That's because it's darn near impossible to get one entire clean take with this child. So, taking care of the baby and my wife sealed inside her room has me asking, what is freedom? And our reading from Acts today is all about that question. What is freedom? In the second half of Acts 16, there are five main characters, a slave girl, slave owners, magistrates, Paul and Silas who end up in prison, and a jailer. But of these five, only one is described as having their hope gone, and it's the slave owners. Only one asks to be saved, and it's the jailer. Only one is afraid, and it's the magistrates. The slave owners, the jailer, and the magistrates may think they are the ones with freedom in this story, but their freedom is built on privilege. And freedom built on privilege can be taken away. Let's take a closer look at the story to understand why that is. So, as a reminder, this story picks up immediately where last week's story left off. As a reminder, Paul and Silas and the Gospel writer Luke are in Philippi, which is a Greek city. And they haven't had much success except with some women down by the river, one in particular named Lydia. But today we hear that as Paul and Silas and Luke are walking through the city, there is a slave girl who has a spirit of divination and she's been following after them for days. And everywhere they go, she keeps yelling, these men are servants of the Most High God and they will proclaim to you a way of salvation. Now this goes on for days and apparently no one pays any attention to her. And so eventually Paul gets tired. And he commands the spirit to come out of this slave girl. And it does. But once again, no one seems to care that Paul has committed this act of power, except the owners of the slave girl, who are now frustrated because their hope of making money has gone. And so they drag Paul and Silas before the magistrates of the city, and they make accusations against Paul and Silas. But these accusations are not about the fact that they have lost money. These accusations are that they are disturbing the city or that they're Jews or that they're advocating customs that are not lawful for Romans to follow. But these are all pretenses. Pretenses for revenge. Revenge at losing their hope. Their hope of making money through the slave girl. Freedom built on money is not freedom because it can be taken away. The magistrates order Paul and Silas to be stripped and beaten and thrown in prison and so the jailer locks them in the innermost cell and shackles their legs. But then it says Paul and Silas, they spend the night singing singing hymns to God and praying, and all the other prisoners are listening closely to them. And then suddenly there's an earthquake. And the earthquake breaks open all the doors of the prison, and it releases all the shackles. 
And when the jailer realizes that the prison has burst open, he runs in and he's about to take out his sword and stab himself. Why? Well, because in the ancient world, jailers were expected to pay for the escape of prisoners with their lives. Freedom built on our achievements is not freedom because it can be taken away. But Paul cries out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Paul and Silas and all the other prisoners, they haven't left the prison. And so the jailer's life is not yet forfeit. Realizing that he still has a chance, the jailer falls down on his knees and asks, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And so the jailer is baptized by Paul and goes home and brings Paul and Silas with him. And the whole family is baptized and they have a meal together and rejoice that the jailer has become a believer. And the story continues beyond our reading. And I'll just go a little bit farther because the next day, the magistrates send word to the jailer that they can let Paul and Silas out. Those two have probably learned their lesson. But Paul refuses to leave once again. Why? Because Paul says, wait a minute. Those magistrates mistreated me. Me, who's a Roman citizen with rights that they did not respect. And now, early in the morning, they think they can just release me and hope no one notices. No, I demand that those magistrates come here in full public view and apologize for what happened. And it says that when the magistrates hear that Paul is a Roman citizen, someone who has rights, they are afraid. Why are they afraid? They're afraid because if their bosses find out that they've mistreated a Roman citizen, they can be punished. They can be punished by the governor. They could be punished even by the emperor. And so they beg Paul's forgiveness. They apologize and they ask him to leave before he causes any more trouble. See, they think their freedom comes from the authorities above them. But freedom built on the authority of another person is not freedom, for it can be taken away. Friends in Christ, like you, this past week I was shocked and horrified to learn that there has been another mass shooting by a teenager, this time in an elementary school. As I look to the scriptures for solace in the midst of such senseless tragedy. The Spirit led me to this conclusion. America is an ongoing experiment in freedom. This country gives us so many rights and privileges of freedom, but we as a nation have forgotten where freedom comes from and what it is for. We think freedom is for ourselves, and we think like the slave owners that freedom comes from money, but then the economy teeters and we discover that we're the ones who are slaves. Or we think like the jailer, that freedom comes from weapons and prisons, but then someone in our schools or our grocery stores draws a gun on us and we discover that we are trapped. Or we, like the magistrates, think that 
freedom comes from the government. But then an administration changes and we discover that we are at the mercy of politicians. So what is freedom? Where does it come from? And what is it for? To answer that, let's look at the people in our scriptures who are actually free. Paul and Silas. They may be locked in prison, but it sure doesn't seem like it by the way that they pray aloud and sing joyful hymns to God. When the earthquake breaks open the prison, they don't feel the need to flee. And when the magistrates tell them that they can go, instead they say, no, the magistrates should come. It doesn't matter their circumstances. Paul and Silas are free. To understand why, let's look at the answer that they give the jailer when he asks what he must do to be saved. Their answer has three parts. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe on the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Believe in Greek is pisteo, and that literally means to trust to have faith in, to rely on. Trust on the Lord. Instead of trusting wealth for personal value the way the slave owners do, trust in Jesus' promise of God's love for you. Instead of trusting personal achievement to preserve your life the way the jailer does, trust in Jesus' promise of eternal life. Instead of trusting in human authority for power the way the magistrates do, trust in Jesus' promise of purpose in loving God and serving your neighbor. Paul trusts that whether he's rich or poor, he is loved by God. Paul trusts that whether he lives or whether he dies, his life is the Lord's. Paul trusts that whether he's in jail or out, he has the power to fulfill his life's purpose proclaiming Christ, even if he has to do it by simply praying aloud and singing hymns to prisoners. Paul's trust is built on the solid foundation of Christ crucified and risen, and nothing can take that from him, which means Paul is free. And Paul offers that freedom to the jailer when he says, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. But of course, what does it mean to be saved? Save in Greek is sozdo. And it means, yes, to save with regards to God in terms of eternal life. But on a more fundamental level, it literally just means to save from death. The jailer is literally about to stab himself because he thinks that otherwise someone else will come and stab him. When the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? It could be that the jailer's interested in spiritual growth. It's definitely that he's interested in keeping his head. So when Paul says to the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus, Paul is asking the jailer to believe that Jesus can keep him alive that very day. Paul is asking the jailer to believe that Jesus is there present in the prison in the person of Paul and Silas, 
We heard in the gospel Jesus pray to God on behalf of his disciples, saying, The glory that you have given me, I have given them. Jesus' glory is to lay down his life so that others might rise from death. That is what Paul and Silas do. An earthquake comes and breaks open the walls of the prison. Paul and Silas have an opportunity to, to run away. But their running to freedom would mean certain death for the jailer. And so they stay put. But the miracle is that not only Paul and Silas stay put, but so does every single prisoner in that jail. Every single prisoner who heard Paul and Silas pray and sing, they are willing to stay put to save the jailer's life. So that when the jailer comes in, ready to end his life, Paul can say, do not harm yourself. We are all here. We are all here. Which brings us to the third meaning of the word sozdo. Sozdo also means to save from illness, to heal, to make whole. Salvation is being made whole. In relationship to God, yes, but also in relationship to our neighbor. Paul knows his salvation, his wholeness, cannot be complete unless it includes the wholeness of the jailer, for they are part of the same body of Christ. We hear Jesus pray on behalf of his disciples that they may be with him where he is. Jesus, when he gets to the right hand of the Father, he wants to be able to say, we are all here. And that brings us to the third part of Paul's response to the question, what must I do to be saved? You and your household. Salvation is not meant for the individual alone. It is meant for the whole community. We cannot be free while our family is enslaved. We do not arrive at paradise if we arrive to find it empty. We arrive at paradise when we can say, we are all here. In this country, we face so many challenges from gun violence to climate change to homelessness. And so many people say, I want to be saved, but far too few people say, I am willing to sacrifice my privilege to save others. And so we wonder why no one is saved. The jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? And so Paul saves him from thinking only of himself. Jesus, before he is betrayed by his disciples, before he is crucified, as he prepares for excruciating pain, he prays, he prays for his disciples. He prays for the people who will believe in him because of their words. He prays for us. And his prayer for us is that we receive the everything that he has been given. Unity with God. The glory of sacrificial service. God's love. Jesus prays that we might receive all these things. And so because of that,
years after the story that we read in the book of Acts today, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, that church that started in Lydia's house, that church in the city where Paul is imprisoned in our scriptures today. Paul writes to the Philippians, let each of you consider not your own interests, but the interests of each other. Let the same mind that is in Christ Jesus be in you. Paul has radical freedom in Jesus. But Paul knows that freedom has a single purpose, to serve others in Christ's name. Martin Luther describes this paradox of Christian life in this way. A Christian is the most free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is also the most dutiful servant of all, subject to everyone. What is freedom? Freedom is choosing to serve someone other than yourself for no other reason than love. Freedom as Paul and Silas sitting in an open jail to save the life of their jailer. Freedom is the slave girl using her one power, her ability to speak the truth, to proclaim to all the city that Paul and Silas are servants of the Most High God and that they proclaim to you a way of salvation. Freedom is my wife locking herself in her room to protect our daughter. Freedom is the soldiers whose lives we remember tomorrow because they chose to serve this country above all else. Freedom is choosing to serve someone other than yourself for no other reason than love. America is yearning to be free, but personal privilege imprisons us because America has forgotten. We have forgotten where freedom comes from and what freedom is for. But you know, friends in Christ, you know that freedom comes from faith in Jesus and that freedom is for serving our neighbor. And so may we use our freedom to set each other free. May we be like the slave girl using our voice to proclaim the way of salvation in Christ. May we, like Paul, hold magistrates to account in their own imperfect systems. May we, like the prisoners, sit voluntarily in an open prison, refusing freedom bought with involuntary blood. But most of all, when someone like the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? May we answer, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The household of your family and the household of God's family. For none of us can say we live in the land of the free until everyone can say we are all here. Amen.